Our Old Testament lesson this morning actually comes from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5, and this is just the beginning of a section. Oh, we should probably read all of it. We'll just read verses, verses 1 through 7 uh, from Isaiah chapter 5. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day that you have made, and I thank you for your word you've given to us, and Lord, I ask that you would help us this morning to hear your word. God, that we would uh, understand the things that you are communicating to us, or that we would know better who you are, what it is that you desire for us. God, that you would help us by your word and by your spirit to be new people, that you would change us evermore even this morning into the people that you have created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, says, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it. And cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on them. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines who delight in it. And who looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Turning then to 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Continuing our reading through 1 Peter, we are almost at the end. And Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer, or thief, or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And it is hard for the righteous to be saved. If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning we are uh, continuing our series in the Gospel of John. We're continuing our series in that upper room uh, section and uh, this is when Jesus has gathered his disciples together the night before he goes to the cross to tell them things that 
they need to remember, to, they need to know about, uh, to hold in mind, because what's getting ready to happen to him is really going to shake them up. And so uh, he has told them several things so far. He washed their feet. He told them, you know, do this for each other. If I have loved you, love each other this way. And then he has... He told them, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. It's actually good for you that I go away. Uh, in my Father's house are many rooms. I go there to prepare a place for you. It's good that I go away. That uh, I send the Spirit to you who will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. So this is where this whole conversation has been going. It's all about these Jesus going away. What do disciples need to know? What is it uh, that they needed to know then? What is it we need to know now? And so we're going to continue that this morning, looking at John chapter 15, verses 1 through uh, 17. And before we do that, I'm going to um, show you a few things that I brought with me this morning. And this is what goes back to what I was talking about during the children's sermon of uh, things we can be looking for. But before we do that, let me grab one of these. Alright. I have here a glass. The purpose of this glass is what? <laughs> is it to drink or to hold water? Yes, it's to hold water so that you can drink it, right? That is the purpose for which this glass has been created. But, have you ever had a glass that had a big crack all the way through it, so when you would put water in it, it wouldn't hold the water, the water would just all run out? Of course you have. <laughs> Do you continue using that glass? No. Generally, what do you do if you have a glass like that? Is you throw it out and you get a new one. And uh, one that will actually serve the purpose that you need. And so holding water, the purpose for which it was created, it's got a big crack in it like that. It no longer serves that purpose. Uh, what about this? Or this? Pencil. All right. And uh, if... You have a pencil, this one has no lead right there. So if you have a pencil with no lead, what do you do? Sharpen. You go sharp. Uh, what if you go sharpen it? Have you ever had this experience? It's terrible. You go and you sharpen the pencil, and there's still no lead. And you sharpen some more, and there's still no lead. And you sharpen some more, and there's still no lead. And there's just no lead all through the pencil. Because somehow it's gotten loose and like fallen out. <laughs> have you ever had that experience? And what do you do with that pencil? You keep using it? No, you toss it, you go get a new one. Uh, because it no longer serves the purpose for which it was created and uh, why you even have that pencil to begin with. All right? One more. We're not going to do this all. <laughs> what is this? It's a balloon. But if you have a balloon that has a hole in it, and so it does not hold air... How's that? It no longer serves the purpose for which it's created. So have you ever had that experience where you blow up a balloon, you get it nice and big, and then just slowly, and it just comes out? And so what do you do if you have a balloon like that, quit using it, and you go get one that will, will work? Okay. These are just examples of things that are created for a purpose. Things that are created for a purpose. We're going to talk about something similar and different. So first we're going to talk about the similarity. And that is created for a purpose. And that is something that we all are. We are created for a purpose. And just, just like these things are created for a purpose, we've been created for a purpose. And 
the problem with this is that so many people have no idea what that purpose is. And so people will spend their entire lives uh, trying to figure that out or trying to distract themselves from that question. So they don't have to figure it out. But that's not, uh, that's not what Jesus wants for his people. And so he actually, when he's talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross, he wants them to know their purpose. He wants them to know why they have been created. And so that's where we get to the passage that we are looking at this morning. And uh, I want you to know your purpose as well. So here we go. This is John. Oh, before we get to that, <laughs> I told you those were things that we're going to be looking for this week. So your challenge this week is to be looking for uh, items around your home that uh, or workplace that if they stopped working, like if they didn't no longer serve their purpose, you get rid of them. So like a broken glass. If you find something like that, don't go break the glasses for this. But if you have, if you find one, take a picture of something that no longer works for its uh, purpose and send that to me. Or you can send me something that still is working and you say, oh, but if it didn't do this, then I would get rid of it if it no longer served the purpose. Okay. So that's the assignment. Now we're looking at uh, John 15, verses 1 through 17, as we look for our purpose and what it is that Jesus tells uh, his disciples this is what it's about. Okay, here we go. John 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So there you go. Did you catch it, though? Did you catch the purpose? Because it was repeated a lot <laughs> through this. What is it that Jesus says is the purpose for which these people have been created? That they would bear fruit. That's the thing. 
bear fruit. And so he uses this image of the vine and the branches, and you think, well, what is the purpose of the vine? Well, it's to nourish the branches. And what is the purpose of the branches? It's to bear fruit, right? And so he talks about this. He says, if that branch is cut off from the vine, it no longer fulfills its purpose. It's no longer bearing fruit, and therefore what happens? It gets thrown away. Totally makes sense, because we do this all the time, even if we don't uh, tend to uh, vineyards. We still understand this principle. If something is no longer serving its purpose, then we're done with it. And, uh, and so this is what Jesus is saying, though, is our purpose is like these branches. We do have a purpose. It is to bear fruit. The other thing he says, though, is that we can only do this if we remain in him. Do you see how many times he says remain in this? Over and over, remain, remain, remain. And why? Well, if you think about the branches and the vine thing, that totally makes sense. If the branch is connected to the vine, if it actually stays there, it will continue to be nourished, and it will continue to fulfill its purpose. But if the branch is removed from the vine, it no longer has what it needs. It no longer has the source that will uh, continue to grow in it the fruit that it was made to produce. And so instead, it withers up, and it shrivels, and it dies. So if the branch stays connected to the vine, it has life, and it actually fulfills the purpose for which, it's, for which it exists. If it separates from the vine, it no longer has life, and it's no longer fulfilling the purpose. Does this make sense? I hope so. But there's more to it than just this. Um, Jesus has this line that he says in here, I think this might be a confusing part. He says this several times. He says it in John 6. He says it here. Uh, this idea of remaining in him as uh, remain in me as I also remain in you. And we're like, that doesn't, how do you, what? It's like, like, I can't be in this room and also have this room be in me. I can't be in my car and have my car be in me. That doesn't make sense. Um, and so, I think that's partly because we're thinking about it in terms of objects, of things, uh, like houses and cars, whatever. But what if we were to think about it a little bit differently in terms of something like air? Air that we are currently in, that is also in us. So we, and we need to remain in the air. And in air, so we also, air can also remain in us. And if we separate ourselves from this environment of air, guess what happens to us? <laughs> well, you might be able to hold your breath for a while. But then that's it. And so if you were to, um, you know, go to Mars, and you've got this environment of air in your spacesuit, and then you kind of step out of the spacesuit and decide, no, I'm just going to go out on Mars on my own, it won't for very long. There's only one of the things that'll kill you out there, but, uh, or the lack thereof. But that's the idea. Jesus is uh, like the air in that we can be in him and he can be in us, and if we separate ourselves from him, then he can no longer be in us and we no longer have that life. This is, uh, so the purpose is to bear fruit, and the way that we do that is to remaining in Jesus. How do we remain in Jesus? Are there things we can do to remain in Him? Well, there are a couple things. 
Uh, one is, of course, you know, he mentions his word several times. Uh, so he says, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He says again, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So, one way to remain in Jesus is to continue to remember his words. So to continue to read his words, continue to talk about his words with other people, and continue to hear his word spoken to you by others. And so this remaining in him has a lot to do with staying connected to his word. There's more than just that. Because he also talks about asking whatever you wish. In other words, uh, it's not just about reading, it's also about conversation. It's about prayer. So these are the two you probably would have guessed right off the bat anyway. How do you remain in Jesus? You read your Bible and pray. <laughs> Those are two uh, just kind of basic things that, of course, that is what it would involve. But there's more to it than that. And that's what Jesus goes into in this whole next section. The whole first half is that our purpose is to bear fruit, and we do this through Jesus, by remaining in him. And the second half is all about what that actually looks like for us. Because we're not branches. We're not uh, glasses. We're not balloons. We're not pencils. We're people. So what does this look like for us to fulfill our purpose? What does it look like for us to bear fruit? And how is it that we remain in the vine? How is it that we remain in Jesus? And he says, here's what it is. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just like I kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. You hear this remain, remain, remain again? But now what's he saying? It's all about his love, and keeping his commands. Remaining his love and keeping his commands. Now we've talked some about his commands, but let's look again uh, here in this particular section. In verses 12 and 17, he actually gives us uh, what his command is. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then in verse 17, in case they missed it, this is my command, love each other. Do you get it? He's saying, in order to remain in him and he, as he reigns in us, just like a vine and branches relationship, he says, the way this works for you as actual living people is that you will remain in my love, so you will uh, be connected to the love that I have for you, and that will go, and you will love me back. We'll have that relationship, but also it will continue to go forward in the way that you love other people. Just as I have loved you, you do that for other people. This is how you remain in me, and it's how you bear fruit. This love that you have for other people, that is the fruit. There's more to it than that. Paul talk, talks about um, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That this is the stuff that the Holy Spirit starts to produce in us as we do what Jesus says, remain in Him. So as we continue to hear His Word, as we continue to read His Word, as we continue to pray to Him and talk to Him and have this relationship of love with Him, then what does the Holy Spirit start to produce in us? But love for other people and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. This is actually what we were created for. 
We were created, Jesus says in uh, John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now think about this. If your life was marked by love and joy and peace, just forget the rest now. Just love and joy and peace. How much more of a full life is that than most of the people who go around chasing those things their whole life and never find them? Jesus says you will fulfill your purpose of bearing fruit. You will have a life that is full and abundant. You will bear much fruit. If you remain in me, if you remain in my love, if you keep my commands to love each other, that's where this comes from. Now, I mentioned before that uh, there were some similarities and, differences, similarities and differences with us and the objects that we were looking at before. I said that these are things that were created for a purpose. And what we had in common is that we were also created for a purpose. Where it's different, but those are things, and we are not things, we are people. We are not things, we are people. Here's another difference. We might need to have a pencil in order to write. We might need to have a glass in order to take a drink. We might need a balloon, I guess, for a good party. There is a danger in reading this passage and thinking about it in terms of things like this. And the danger is to see God using us the way we use objects. And that's not what this is about. God does not need us to fulfill our purpose for him. Now, Jesus does say he gets the glory when we do fulfill our purpose. And that is a great thing. But he doesn't need us to do these things. He didn't need to create people. And he doesn't need us in order to fulfill what he's doing. He can do all of it, with or without us. So then why does Jesus make such a big deal about it? Why does he want us to fulfill our purpose if he doesn't need us? And think about it like this. If this glass weren't an inanimate object, if this were like a glass from Beauty and the Beast, or like in Toy Story, where the inanimate objects like come alive, <laughs> and it knew what, it, it, what its experience was of being a glass, but all it ever knew was the experience of being a leaky glass, and then one day, it was healed. <laughs> And it actually held water for the first time. It's like the glass would finally be more itself than it had ever been before. And it would experience a joy of what it means to be a glass. <laughs> I know this is silly, but you know what I'm saying. More of that joy than ever before. Uh, because it's finally fulfilling that purpose. Here's my point. Is that the reason that God wants us to fulfill our purpose, the reason that Jesus is saying, I want you to bear fruit, is because that's the purpose for which we've been created, and that is where we will experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. In other words, it's not because God needs us to do this, it's because God loves us, and this is the good life. This is for our good that we bear uh, much fruit. And of course, when we do so, uh, it is to the glory of God. But this is why Jesus says, you know, I no longer call you servants. Because servant is no nasty business. We often use things like they're just there to serve us. That's it. Jesus says, no, I call you friends. 
And a friend is a relationship, and a relationship of love and of care. And so Jesus says, I want you to do these things so that you would know uh, what it means to be the people that you were created to be. Relationship with the Creator, sustained by your Creator, and fulfilling the purpose for which you've been created. Again, we have to we have to say this one more time. Because Jesus repeats it so many times. And the disciples often skip over it. They did then. And disciples today often tend to skip over this part. And that is the command that Jesus gives, what it's like to remain in him, to remain in his love. And what he says is this, love each other, love each other, love each other, love each other. <laughs> Just over and over. And you're like, hey, yeah, we got it. And he's like, no, you don't. Let me explain something. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So if you have warm feelings for someone, but you are not laying down your life for them in any way, you don't love them. And then you're right back to what Isaiah was talking about with the vineyard of old. And he said, I tended this vineyard. And I looked for good grace. But I didn't have it. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to assume that, of course, we're bearing fruit. We're doing lots of things. It's not about doing the things. It's about remaining in me and in my love and letting that be what defines who you are. That you would know uh, my love for you the way I lay down my life for you, and now I'm calling you to do the same for each other. Love each other. Finally. Because at this point, we're thinking, well, we've all messed this up. <laughs> this is the great part of it. I said there's uh, uh, some differences between ourselves and things like glasses and pencils and things. One of the differences is that when we have something that is broken, we throw it out and replace it. But not always. There are some times where things get refinished and restored to their original purpose. The story of the Bible is that all of humanity was broken like that glass. And that God didn't throw us out. But that's what Jesus came to do, is to repair us and to restore us. That we would be able to now fulfill our purpose for which we've never been able to before. The good news is Jesus is in the business of restoring us that we would know life. And as he says, to the full. Not like a glass, but like a human. In the name of the Father, the Son, 